My friends, we are back with yet another edition of Wonder Woman Wednesdays, a podcast in which we break down an episode of the classic Wonder Woman TV show starring the one and only Linda Carter. I'm your host, Stan the Man, and each episode I share the mic with a Wonder Woman cosplayer. If you're listening at press time, December 2023, we're approaching the holidays, so I hope you have a joyous season. So I'm sending you some love. And if you're listening at another time, I'm sending you even more love because we all need it. Today's episode will be breaking down Season 1, Episode 9, The Last of the $2 Bills. My guest is my wonderful friend, Susan Sistar. Pronounce it right, pal. Sistar. Is she a Wonder Woman cosplayer? Possibly. Is she a Wonder Woman herself? Definitely. Does she know Corey Feldman? You're going to have to listen and find out right here, right now, on Wonder Woman Wednesdays. An elusive spy plots to undermine the U.S. economy with a plan involving doppelgangers, explosives, and a tricky mustache. Will Steve (laughs) Trevor... Will Steve Trevor and Wonder Woman foil his plan? Or have they seen the last of the $2 bills? That's it. That's the episode. The last... Of the $2 bills, I say again, I am talking to my friend, Susan. How's it going, Susan? Hey, Stan, it's going great. (laughs) All right, so before we get into the episode, and we will, uh, why don't you just uh, give us a brief description of who the heck you are? (laughs) I'm your friend. Yay! And should I I be calling you Susan Amanda? Or what what name do you want to use in this? Well, I... In professional realms, I go by Susan Sistar. Oh, that's right. Yes. I'm not a, I'm a star, not a stare. I hate when people say Sistar, but it, it does kind of look like it's pronounced like that. Okay. It is, it is Sistar. Um, Susan Sistar. So yes, you, Stan, you can call me whatever you like. Yay. <laughs> and so tell us a little bit about yourself. Oh, what do you want to know? Gosh, there's so much. <laughs> well, first of all, like why, what is your Wonder Woman connection? You may why or may am not, I here? <laughs> yeah, you may or may not be an actual cosplayer, but you have you have uh, cosplayed Wonder Woman uh in a way. Uh well, I am not officially a cosplayer, and so therefore I feel terribly um I'm overwhelmed that you would want me to be on this podcast because uh, I'm, yes. I'm not qualified. But when people hear your resume of the kinds of <laughs> Wonder Woman type stuff you do, uh, they may. I, I guess I sort of do. Yeah. Uh, sure. So it's been a moment. I'm getting ready to reveal something about okay. myself that even you don't know, Stan. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. A, a, podcla- <laughs> a podcast exclusive. Uh, so I've done a few bodybuilding shows in the past. The last one I did uh, I was Wonder Woman yes. for my bodybuilding show. And by that, I mean, uh, so what happens in, in these cases, it's called the Carolina Supernatural. I'm not sure if you've uh, heard of it. It, it, it. It's a Spartanburg, South Carolina show. It's a natural show, meaning there are no steroids, because if you place, uh, I believe it's first or second, it might be third. I've forgotten now. Um, they do test you for steroid use. Okay. Um, so, you know, you don't get people as big as 
Schwarzenegger up there. This is all uh, chemical free. Right. Or supposedly. Um, it, it, well, it is because they're they're going to know if they're going to know did, they'll find did out. any kind of enhancers. Yeah, they, they don't uh, have a lasso of truth, but they have. They ways. don't. Oh, we're going to talk about that because I have some questions for you about that lasso. Oh, OK. okay. Anyway, uh, so I was Wonder Woman in the, the last show I did a number of years ago, and I had uh, a very skimpy suit, as you have to have, because the judges have to see all of your your stuff. Right. All your musculature. <laughs> so Linda Carter uh, was uh, very conservatively dressed compared to Susan Sistar <laughs> a few years ago. But I had, you know, the little it was my suit was blue and I had uh, little glitter stars that I affixed, you know, to oh, the bottom so you, part of it. And you made it or you modified it? I modified it. Okay. Yes. And I had um, the tiara. I didn't do the boots because you really kind of have to be barefoot. Right, uh, and I right. didn't have a lasso. I did have the wrist cuffs. Oh, cool. Uh, so, it, yeah, it it was. Well, I think I sent you a picture. Yeah. Yeah. I think we're using that as the promo picture. If that's okay. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> well, we can talk about that. We don't have to. <laughs> we it can is, because both of my parents are now uh, have now passed on, so I can talk about this now. Okay. But they okay. were not happy. Really? Oh no! Because at the time I was in my late thirties, and my mother was very conservative, and she was just like, "I can't believe that you would get up in front of all these people looking like that," because the suit is is even more revealing than a bikini. Like it's right. It's almost like strings <laughs> right right well because and then you have to bounce around you know you have to show all your musculature and stuff in the the first part of the show and then the last half of the show um everybody does a 90 second routine mm -hmm. and you know me i'm a theater person which right. is how we met that's right So going back to your whole who are you uh i met you in 2017 doing spam a lot that's right i was king arthur you were, the, and you will always be the king to Yay. me. <laughs> Fun <laughs> times. Those were good times. Uh, where was I going with that? Uh, you were talking about this this crazy outfit that sh that showed off all your muscles. I had a point, though. Gosh, I'm probably going <laughs> to say that about three or four times. Well, that's, I'll go off on a tangent. You know I'm what? very that, sorry. That is okay, because <laughs> what we can do is we can just go into the episode and then we'll talk more later about bodybuilding. We can talk about the fact that you're an author. We can talk about the fact that you're a veteran. We've already talked a little bit about your acting, but uh, okay. We can talk so you more preemptively forgive me for being in the middle of something and going, oh, oh, oh! I remember what I was going to say thirty minutes ago. That that makes for the best <laughs> podcast if you just like switch tracks, right? You know, whenever. <laughs> yes, All of the audience sudden. loves that. Yeah, I just you know leave them wanting more. We'll, inter right. we'll interrupt ourselves several times. So in terms of how I'm qualified to do this podcast, I'm really not. I just dressed as uh, as Wonder Woman for that show. And I did my, okay, so the 90 second routine mm -hmm. um, is, you know, whatever music you want to do. And I did the, uh, I did my routine to the theme song. Oh, and okay. I had you just mentioned that I am a veteran. Yes. And the, yeah. and all veterans know that there's something called BCGs. Okay. Have you heard of the term BCGs? Uh 
I no, I have not. Okay, so when you go to boot camp, if you are visually impaired in any way, they oh give you yes, what's called birth control glasses. <laughs> yes, my brother was in the Air Force. He had those. <laughs> I, he never used the acronym, but okay, I get it. Yes, so I wore my BCGs, which are not as cool as the glasses that Linda Carter wore, because those glasses were cool. Yeah. Uh, mine not as cool, but <laughs> it it sufficed mm -hmm. um and then i had the the tiara and stuff and i had a, a cape not as cool as the cape that she wears in this episode right right the one that uh looks like a tent it's glorious it's so big it is glorious it's head fabulous. to toe i want that uh oh 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 okay here we go this is what i was going to tell you that is uh going to be news to you okay uh i will be 50 this year Ooh. and I think I want to do the bodybuilding show again wow. next year. I'm sort of preparing for it. I've been a, a total gym rat for uh -huh. uh, a while now, and I might want to do Wonder Woman again. I'm not sure if I want to. Oh, I think. But anyway, <laughs> um, but if I do, I, I might do the Wonder Woman thing again, only because the theme song is like, and there may be different versions of it. I'm not sure. But the one that I'm familiar with is like right at 90 seconds. I didn't have to do any cutting or oh. anything. So it was easy just to record it, you know, plug it in. That's really interesting. You know, I I used to uh, listen to TV theme songs in the 80s, and every one of them was 60 seconds long. So oh, wow. it's, it's very probable that the theme song was either 60 or 90 seconds or two minutes, like whatever, like to keep it at a, at a, uh, a reasonable sort of, yeah. you know, a predictable right at, interval. Right at 90. And I did the whole, I'll show you my video one day. I did the whole whipping off of the glasses nice. and this, and I did this, the twirl. And then of course, then you have to do the, you know, the stuff. Yeah. To do yeah. the flexing. That you just flex. We, <laughs> we, this is an audio podcast. So she, she was just flexing there. All right. Y'all missed it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we'll send them pictures later. All right. So so we'll get back to that. There will be more exciting talk. But we're going to talk about this crazy episode, the last of the $2 bills. Yeah. Are you ready? I now you told me that you watched this more than once, is that right? Or at I, least once. I have um I may <laughs> be missing a few details because I had to watch it on YouTube. I, I, I can get into HBO Max, right? But they uh, only go up to episode three in the first oh, season. Oh, my gosh. You know what? I should have explained that to you. So there's this weird thing in HBO Max where the first three episodes are during one season because they were kind of special events. Mm -hmm. And then they start again in the, the following fall. And in IMDb, that's all considered one season. But on HBO Max, they, those first three episodes are considered the first season. And then what we normally think of as season one, episode four, five, and so on, they call the second season. So the episode was there, but it wasn't there by the episode number that I gave you. Stan. I'm sorry. You could have told me that. <laughs> I, I forgot. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Uh, but anyway, but you watch the YouTube 
I did find it on YouTube. It took me some time. Uh huh. I had to do a deep dive, so I may be missing a few things. Uh, well, we can I, we can cover those. But I think I'm things. well prepared. I'm showing you my you, notebook. Wow, you've got notes. I, I've got I notes do. too. I, I did. Well, I know you do. Um, I did a little research on really? not just the episode, but about the whole two dollar bill thing. Really? So I thought I thought you might like uh, what I found. I would love to hear what you found about two dollar <laughs> bills. Let's talk about two dollar bills, like the actual factual two dollar bills. Tell me okay. about. Okay. Okay. So a couple things. Um, and I have been a teacher for eighteen years. That's right. You're a teacher long. too. Yes, and I have I've gone over some stuff with my students before. I've taught elementary and high school, mm-hmm. and uh, and it's interesting how much they don't know. Uh, just like me, I did not know this. I thought I always thought this is a so our audience, our billions of people listening to oh, this in the billions will, at least will yeah. know. <laughs> I always thought the mint, the U.S. mint, was responsible for all of the production of money in our nation. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is not true. Did you know that? The Mint is responsible for coins. It is the oh. BEP or the Bureau of Engraving and Printing that does our print money. And they mention that in this episode. Wow. Yeah. It's the BEP. Okay. The BEP. So the, the first $2 bill came out in 1775. No kidding. No kidding. <laughs> it, wait, it gets better. Wait okay. for it. So I looked up, and this was the last. Uh, the last stats I found were from 2019. Uh, and, and I'll just go through this really quickly because this does relate to our episode. I promise. Okay. Okay. So the one dollar bill. This is a, a 2019 stat here. The one dollar bill, the twenty, the fifty, and the hundred, basically have stayed the the same amount of production. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, the $2 bill and the $10 bill have not. The $10 has decreased dramatically. I'm not really sure why. Um, in 2015, I made this little note, uh, there were about 300 million $10 bills produced by the Bureau of Engraving and Printing. Now, um, sorry, no, let me take that back. 300 million now. Oh, in 2015, okay. it was six over 620 million. So wow. I don't know why that's decreased, but the $2 bill uh, was pr- produced in 2015, roughly around 32 million of them. Now we're at 160 million. I'm really not sure why that is, but, but yes, $2 wow. bills are circulating more. Um, I used to get them. Here's a little fun fact before we dive into this episode. I used to get them from my grandmother mm-hmm. as little gifts, you know, birthday and whatever. Uh, but she abruptly stopped giving them to me. Is it this because you a, wore a bikini? It, no, because she passed before she could see me in that and promptly have a heart attack. Uh, <laughs> this was right before that. Uh-huh. She had told my mother, I'm not going to give these to her anymore because I hear that strippers use them. <gasps> <laughs> which is so funny because it's like, first of all, did you think that I was stripping? And secondly, if I were stripping, I would already be getting a lot. Of, maybe she thought I was or something and I was getting them from people. I don't know. 
but she uh, <laughs> evidently had a big problem with that. Uh-huh. So ixnay on the $2 Ills Bay. <laughs> <laughs> so wow. anyway, little research on the $2 bill. But yes, it is in circulation. Yeah. You don't see it a whole lot, but it's right. funny. I'm going to just dive into something that Steve said in the episode about uh, they, how they they stopped making them. Yeah. Uh, well, they never did. So that is factually inaccurate, right. as are lots of other things in this episode. But I will let I'll let you go into that. Okay, you're the master. Of, well, I I don't know much stuff. about I don't know much about facts. I'll tell you that I know <laughs> sure I do. know about the episode. Well, we can talk about that, but you can point out where they are factually incorrect. I'll try. Okay, so so the first thing that comes up in the episode is the credits, and so we see that. Uh, the director is Stuart Margolin. I think I'm saying that right. It might be Margolin. But I don't know if you recognize that name, but this guy, Stuart Margolin, he's an actor. And he he was in the Rockford Files for years as uh, Angel Martin. And um, he was also in a bunch of Love American Styles. Did you ever see Love American Style? It's the goofiest early 70s, late 60s thing you've ever seen. Yes, but I I can't just pull a fact out of my butt about it. <laughs> you, you uh, don't have I, to. I was I was pretty young, but uh-huh. I do remember Rockford Files. I was just kind of smiling to myself because I remember the theme song. Do you remember the theme song? Is that right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. So, but also, and here's here's like one of my quirks. Um, anytime that anybody related to MASH, which is I'm gonna say my favorite show, even though we're talking about Wonder Woman. I know it is. Uh uh, I'm gonna say something about it. And and he was in two episodes of MASH, and in both episodes, he played kind of a creepy guy, but he seems like a nice guy. Uh, so he was in the the episodes Bananas, Crackers, and Nuts, and Operation Noselift, which was the first two seasons of MASH. So, but he's a director, which I didn't know. Oh, and another thing, he's still working. Like he had a movie come wow. out this year. I, it's a short, it's a short film, but it came out in 2023. So he's just he's still out there doing the thing. Bananas, um, crackers, and nuts, huh? Well, he played a psychiatrist in that one. Um, oh, and- I, I thought that episode was about most of my ex-boyfriends. <laughs> I could be wrong. You could be. You could be wrong. Um, so he directed this, and it's you know it's interesting because I had some both good and bad reactions to some of the directing moments. Like it had, I, I think they were choices that he made as the director, but <laughs> it's hard to say. Um, also, it was written by Paul Dubov and Gwen Bogni, B-A-G-N-I, Bogni, I think is how you say it. And they're a married couple who was, they were also a writing team. But here's something interesting about this Gwen Bogni. She is listed in the IMDb as having three husbands, including this Paul Dubov. All of them passed away. And I don't know <laughs> if there's something suspicious there, but she was. Mm, sounds they, like I, a Dateline episode I, to me. <laughs> yes. And uh, so husband number four, wherever you are, be careful. Be warned. <laughs> All right. So. The episode starts um, at sea, and there's some glorious B-roll. I'm I'm confident that it wasn't shot for this episode, 
Uh, it's I don't know where they got this footage. It, there's a, a ship called the uh, uh, the Haynes, who is being who's uh, I don't know if they're being I don't think they're being pursued by the submarine. They found you know they discovered a submarine and they're they're dropping charges on it. And uh, now, so you were in the military. Do you have anything to say about this particular footage? Since we're talking about facts and non-facts. Well, I wasn't in the Navy. I was in the Air Force, but I do have a couple of comments coming up, but not oh, okay. about uh, the, the Chesapeake Bay versus Atlantic Ocean thing. Ah, I'm okay. ambivalent about that. You so, know, I was going to I was going to look it up. Where is Chesapeake Bay? Is it off of Massachusetts? Uh, no, it's off. Uh, well, basically, Virginia. Virginia. I mean, technically, oh. I, I guess it is part of the Atlantic Ocean. But it is. But it's a bay, like it is a bay, and it's they would have to have tried very hard to get into that bay. I feel like. <laughs> well, they they did say that it was near Chesapeake Bay. Okay, I, I think they said that. So well, and when they open, um, it's looking at the submarine. It, it, it's really hard to fathom how they could get that submarine into those waters because it only looks like about. 50 feet deep yeah it looks really shallow if that yeah yeah there, there's a, there's a lot of uh weird things going on in this episode <laughs> okay so um so uh with uh you know keeping in mind that it's fairly dubious this uh submarine is skating along mm -hmm. in this really shallow water they yeah. drop some charges they think they destroyed the submarine and you can tell because there's a bubbling crude coming up some oil just kind of uh, bubbles up to the surface. So they're like, "Oh, we got it! Uh, sound the alarm! We're we're done." And um, but sh but um, you know, obviously that's a ruse. And uh, we find that out when we go to the War Department office where Diane, uh, Steve, and the general are there. And the general, uh, you know, talks about this. Um, he talks about this super spy, this spy named Votan which is spelled with a W, but because he's German, they say, they say it with I a V. I was wondering song. about that. Yes. Yeah. I had fun. to watch okay. with, I had to watch with captions and that comes up later. Um, but I was, but I had to watch the captions cause I could, I wasn't understanding the name mm -hmm. and that they were throwing around. So, so yes, it's Wotan. It's spelled Wotan, but they say Wotan uh, cause it's German. It's uh, it's supposed to be like the God of war. Uh, which is another thing I meant to look up and totally didn't. I'm sorry. I, you know, but anyway, so let's trust Diana because she well, was the one who was like, oh, that's the German God of War. That's right. And We're she gonna trust Diana. Oh, yeah, I totally. And she also mentions and here's the first of many instances where she probably knows what's going on and the men in the room don't. And so she's going to help them figure it out so that they can feel like they're, you know, that's yeah. their idea. Steve is a bit. Um, unaware and hapless. Sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. You know, poor Steve. We're yeah. <laughs> he runs into a lot of trouble in this episode and, <laughs> and Wonder Woman helps him out. So she suggests, um, you know, she mentions that she just got word that this submarine was uh, possibly, uh, you know, um, taken care of right outside of Chesapeake Bay. And they're like, Hey, maybe that's Votan. So I better go check it out. So Steve, goes to check out this potentially dangerous situation with no backup, just Diana, which right. he, unknown, unknown, unbeknownst to him, that is the best backup you can have. But uh, 
I, I don't know, you know, thinking that he's just bringing his assistant. I'm not sure that's great planning, but maybe. Are, are you referring to the scene where uh, there's a raft coming in? Yes. And they're hiding in this in the cliffs. In the rock. Yeah, they're in the rocks. It's Steve and Diana, his mm -hmm. assistant. And I guess if they're just going to do reconnaissance, that's okay. But Steve immediately, he's like, I'm going to go into action. So he sends uh -huh. Diana back um, to uh, to phone this into the general so he can send yes, some yes. more people. Yes, okay. But before he does, yeah. there is a fourth guy up on top of that cliff. Oh. Where the hell did this guy come from? But he's well, up there. And uh I and I can't I can't recall exactly what was said before this, but I wrote this down because I thought this was so funny. He Steve says something inane about, mm -hmm. you know, I'll take all these three guys. You go back to headquarters or something. Mm. And she says, I wrote this down. I think that's a brilliant piece of deductive reasoning. <laughs> And to me, in 2023, mm -hmm. I can look back on something like that and, and think she's totally being condescending as Wonder Woman. But it, at the time, it was probably perceived as her just being very feminine and, oh, you're right, Steve, you're the man. Well, because <laughs> she says it in a very girly voice. Sure, sure. But that's, here's the that's, thing. Uh, that's attractive. Well, you know, it's oh, <laughs> it comes up later that okay. she is in love with him. I mean, it becomes apparent. I mean, if you've been watching the series, you you know that she's in love with him, and and there's a scene later where it's very obvious. Um, so I think, I mean, I take it as her being supportive. Number one, I don't think that that Wonder Woman or Diana, as we know them would be condescending unless she were talking to an evil person. She is condescending to the evil. You you look s skeptical. You think maybe she's condescending well, just a I little bit. Well, if I look skeptical, it's only because I was just thinking, is she really in love with him? As, Di as Diana, yes, I can believe that. But as Wonder Woman, is she? I don't know. Well, you know you what? know more about it than I do. Because you've watched the majority of these, I'm guessing, as an adult. Most of this series I watched as a kid and, of course, didn't really get any of it. Right. Except that I just knew I loved this woman because she was so powerful. And, you know, as a little girl growing up in South Carolina in the late 70s, early 80s, we didn't have a lot of uh, people like that to to look up to. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, having well, said that, do you think that that Diana's in love with him or Wonder Woman is in love with him or both? Well, I think um I think they don't make it absolutely crystal clear ever. True. Because I was actually surprised that in this episode they were so obvious about her and it and it may have been, you know, it may have been motherly affection. There's I'll just I'll just say the scene that comes up later, he's sleeping at his desk. And she comes up to him as Diana and she sort of crouches next to him and looks at him sleeping and takes off her glasses and sort of brushes her fingers through his hair and puts her hand on his uh, arm. And, and like, then I do, like I do to you yeah. <laughs> every time we go get a beer every time. And, 
And so, and he starts to wake up and she's kind of like, you know, she puts her glasses back on and pretends it didn't happen. So who knows what that means? It, it seems like, you know, they're saying, gosh, she's in love with him, but she's never going to tell him. Or um, she feels such great affection for him and can't quite put a finger on what it is or means, or she's in love with him, but she will never, uh, never do anything about it because she's a demigoddess and he's a human. Mm-hmm. So, you know, who knows? But in any case, I think when she says these goofy girly things, sometimes I think one is a product of the times, but also I think, I think she's just trying to build him up and be supportive because sure. she feeds him so much information in this episode. It's, you know, it's apparent that she wants him to feel like, he is figuring things out and, you know, doing the best he can. It's almost a little bit of pity there. You know, like, oh, like patting his head. You're such a, <laughs> you're such a man. You'll learn. <laughs> well, that's possible because the first thing that she does when she runs off is turn into Wonder Woman. Like sure. it's that obvious that he's going to need some help. Yeah. <laughs> like he, clearly doesn't have the situation handled like like he would hope that he does. <laughs> so yeah, she turns into Wonder Woman and he goes after these folks in the raft, one of them who is, you know, in a black mask. So that must be Votan. And and yeah, this guy on the cliff yells and says, "Votan, look out." or whatever. You know, he warns him. And so uh there's a little skirmish and um uh Wonder Woman gets to Votan and 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 steve goes to get the other two guys in the raft right and mm-hmm. when wonder woman grabs votan she looks at his eyes and there's mm-hmm. this weird thing that i think the director does where they look at each other and there's like yeah. a sound effect like and i thought what is he hypnotizing her what's going on and cuz i thought maybe he's got this special power of hypnosis or something but it doesn't turn out to be that it's just the the director is just pointing out that she's like looking into his eyes because she recognizes his eyes later. Well, yeah. And once I finished the episode, I thought about that and I thought to myself, this is maybe just my interpretation of everything mm-hmm. uh, that they did that scene to show that she is, yes, a, a goddess, but she's also flawed Mm-hmm. because she looked in his eyes but yet later on in the episode and I know we'll get to that um she still didn't fully recognize that's who it was right so and this is why I I like certain superheroes that have a flaw yeah you know um right spider-man kind of comes to mind mm-hmm. right off the bat but uh there are others but yeah, she looks in his eyes and she kind of tucks that away in her brain. Like, okay, this is what they look like. But, but later on, she didn't really recognize that. But yeah. the thing about that scene that, that really grinds my gears is that she's kind of holding his arms like, oh, oh I, I, I can't defeat him. <laughs> but later on, you see her, you know, take this gun and like, right. You know, twist it in half and then a lock later on, but she can't defeat Wotan. Well, 
Yeah, it is. It is evident that her powers seem to fluctuate depending on the storytelling needs yes. in, in the show. Depending and, on the director. <laughs> depending on the director. Uh, and I think, you know, just, I, I guess, um, you know, looking, looking for reasons, um, maybe when she looks into his eyes, she's distracted by what she sees. And, and again, that's never explained. And it's probably, I'm just taking a shot in the dark to give her a reason for, for suddenly not being able to arm wrestle a regular guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, you know, that he's got some kind of like, you know, maybe the guy is just pure evil. And maybe she's a little bit taken aback when she looks into his eyes and sees that. It makes me wonder if the director and producers or whoever the powers that be at the time thought to themselves, let's make her a little bit more feminine mm-hmm. and, and, and I want to say weak. She's obviously not weak, but but tone it down a little bit. Oh yeah. Because you know, that was what 77. I think that episode was, which was not terribly long after the original star Trek. And I don't know if you know this little tidbit of information, the, the original star Trek, they were going to have a female captain and the audiences at the time were just like, hell no. Like, what is this? This Mm -hmm. is a a woman can't be in that position. What are you thinking? And so, you know, they've, totally rerouted there mm-hmm. so you know we're talking probably not even 10 years later when yeah. this was going on so right i don't know maybe they had to put in those moments where they're like yeah you know she's super strong and and this amazing goddess but let's make her let's poke a dot the series with her moments of um femininity and and uh, I don't, I, again, I don't want to use the word weakness, but what's another word? Help me out, Stan. Well, I would say one of her great strengths and one of her Achilles heels is her kindness. Mm-hmm. That that she oh, gives boy. people. I can, rec- I can I can dig that. Yeah, and she I've gives... got a little bit of that going on in myself, which is she... why I love her so much. Yeah. Well, yeah. So you understand, and and the thing is, I think she approaches each person that she does battle with kind of holding back and and waiting to see if they'll you know if they'll acquiesce or what they'll do because she can always ramp it up and i i think she gives everybody the benefit of the doubt and and comes in a little more gently than you know just powerhouse knocking them flat yeah i'm gonna say that they needed to show her with a softer side Mm mm-hmm in order to keep the audience and make her believable yeah. at the time. Yes. All right. So we've figured it out. We did. <laughs> so so in the meantime, so Steve goes <laughs> after these fellas in the raft and they've got a gun. And Steve, I don't know if he even bothered to bring one. I don't know what he was thinking. But anyway, they've got the drop on him. And so Wonder Woman has to leave Wotan or Votan to uh to run and help Steve and that's how Votan gets away right mm-hmm. and then she takes care of the guys in the uh in the raft um and, and I also wondered how did he get way up there ahead of the other three guys I don't that was know. just one of my thoughts we will never know well that's I that's another thing I was going to say about the directing some of the logistics about where things happen 
like they're in one location and then suddenly they're somewhere else. And some of these fights, like somebody just gets pushed off screen and that's right. it. So <laughs> I, I think Stuart Margolis uh, or Margolin, sorry, uh, you know, either he, you know, just overlooked a few things or maybe oh. something's got lost in the editing, which is also possible. This was another thought I had that when Steve jumped off that place on the cliff, he didn't get hurt. And his hat didn't seem to fall off. No. Well, you know. Just something I thought about. He's inherently <laughs> handsome. And his hat <laughs> is part of that. Okay. So there is one thing I wanted to say about the caption at the beginning of the show, which I forgot to mention. So the graphic says, you know, it reminds us that it's 1942, which is, you know, uh, that 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 right there is World War II. Um, and this, so the show was in late 76, I believe. Uh, and that was 34 years after the war. Now, our discussion in 2023, we're talking about a show from 76, and that was 47 years ago. So the show was a longer time ago to us than the war was to the people that made the show. Hmm. Uh, that seemed more interesting in my head before I said it out loud. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So um, that is interesting, though. Yeah. And, you know, because because you think, you know, like in in the 70s, they were talking about World War Two. That was like so long ago. But to us, this the 70s, which I remember well, uh, well, maybe not that well, but I remember it. It was a longer time ago. Well, yeah, once you get to be our age, you and I are probably close. Um, Then 37 years doesn't seem like terribly long. It zips right by, (laughs) by gosh. It does. (laughs) So just very quickly, so the guy playing Votan is uh, James Olsen, and we probably remember him from the Andromeda Strain. Did you ever see that movie? That's what I remember him from. No, I didn't, but I am familiar with it because my brother's a big fan of that oh. movie. It's a good movie. It's really interesting, though, because it's so slow. Like, it's slow and methodical. Like, it's not slow, boring, unless you, you know, happen to get bored by how slow it is. <laughs> but it's but it's a very, it's a very interesting, uh, deliberately paced movie. I'll say okay. that. Um he was, but this guy, uh, James Olsen, was also on a million uh, TV shows. You know, playing guest guest walk-ons like like this character, like Hawaii Five O and Bionic Woman, and just all those shows in the seventies. So he looks very familiar to just about anybody. Um, now, during this first fight, that was also the first time in the episode we see the great Wonder Woman spin. Right? Mm-hmm. She does. She turns into Wonder Woman. Fantastic. And also, there was a fence where they were, and probably no reason for it to be there other than for Wonder Woman to have something to jump over, which is nice to have so she can do the jump. She did okay. some great stunts in this episode, and and the jump, you know, was not, you know, one of the top stunts, but uh, it was pretty good. Uh, okay, so that's it for the first scene, right? So, so Votan gets away. They get, you know, they they were able to subdue these other two guys in the boat. So they don't know what he's up to yet. He's on the mm-hmm. loose, right? And so uh, the next scene, you see him. 
he's he's a photographer outside of a diner somewhere in in Washington DC, right? Right. And so um so Diana and the general secretary Etta Candy. Are you familiar with Etta? Oh yeah, I wrote some notes about Etta. <laughs> okay. She this is a good episode for her. She has a lot of a lot of fun stuff that she says. And um so as soon as they come up to Votan as photographer, he says, ooh, a whack and a wave. And even the captions, like a lot of people don't know exactly what that is. Mm-hmm. I do because I, I've watched a couple of military shows like MASH. And <laughs> um, and the captions even got it wrong. Like they spelled it W-A-C-K. Like, what is he even saying? What are you talking about? So um, why don't you, uh, veteran in the room, tell us what a whack and a wave are? I don't know the wave part that is foreign to me, but I know the wax that's the women's army corps. Right. And, and the wave is the Navy version of that. It's the, um, okay. Women accepted for volunteer emergency services. (gasps) I just learned something. I, I never knew that. I mean, I think in a wave. Wow. (laughs) I think they made up the wave acronym after the whack. They wanted it to sound similar. I, that's just my theory. I don't know. I don't know what the Navy's up to. Um, but there's also <laughs> one. There's also one for the Airborne Division, Women's Auxiliary Ferrying Squadron, WAFs. W-A-F. I have heard of that. Yeah, that that was considerably before my time right. in the military. So yeah, but I do I do know the WAX. Yeah, for sure. So. So that's what Votan is referring to when he says, hey, a whack and a wave. And so he takes their picture and then Edda's like, ooh, I'll give you some money and give me three copies. And he's like, great. And Mm -hmm. And he um, stipped her. Yeah. We find out later she never got those pictures. Man. I know. And the the quote that I wrote was um, how when she confronted him and all this is going on, you know, all the Nazi stuff is going on. And she says... He and his friends still owe me a dollar fifty, and she's so concerned with that. I know she's so mad. Like and in the middle of this interrogation, she's just like, "You owe me a buck fifty. But you know what? As <laughs> as El Chipo, because I am the most frugal person on the planet, I felt her pain. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> Edda is anyway. not to be underestimated. So now, the oh, re- but can, can I say one thing really quick though about yeah. just this is a veteran thing. Yes, it. It kills me to see any kind of uh, military-related stuff, TV shows or movies, where they don't take their hats off when they're indoors, because that's a big thing. You take your hat off as you walk in the door of an establishment. If you have a roof over your head, you are not to be wearing a hat. And they screw it up all the time. There's movies. I I can't even tell you how many movies I've seen where they do that. Um, and I just feel like somebody's not doing their homework. You know, that's a pretty basic thing in the in the service. I'm laying this on Stuart Margolin. Yeah. The director. Stuart. 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 <laughs> All right. So um so <laughs> so the reason that Votan is taking pictures of people, because he's like taking random pictures of people. Mm-hmm. Um, we find out later he's collecting images so he can uh plant some spies he's going to give people plastic surgery to look like these americans and this is like a really by the way freaking elaborate scheme 
I know, because that was my next note is, <laughs> did the Nazis seriously make two lookalikes based on the pictures that Botan took in that short of time? Right. Um, unbelievable. So anyway, so the 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 subjects, you know, that, that becomes very uh, quickly apparent is this um, couple that come out of the diner and it's uh, Hank Miller and Maggie Robbins. And Hank Miller, well, Maggie Robbins runs the diner. She at first I thought she was a waitress, but then she says she owns it. So she runs the place, right? But she mm-hmm. kind of dresses like a waitress. Um, right. but I guess that's just, you know, because that's customer service, right? But her her fiance, you know, they're all lovey-dovey. And and uh he works across the street at the Bureau of Engraving. And what was the other thing you said? A Bureau of Engraving and and printing and right. printing yes where they make the money mm-hmm. including the paper money including two dollar bills <laughs> so um so anyway um so this hank hank uh hank miller's played by david crier who's a uh, stage actor his imdb credits are a little spare so i thought oh well he wasn't very you know wasn't very active but then i saw uh, more information on him and he's a big theater guy so he did a lot of theater stuff and and maggie robbins is played by barbara anderson who was a, a regular on ironside and mission impossible and she did a, an appearance on the show you mentioned before star trek she was an actor's daughter who winds up you know more complicated than she seems <laughs> um so anyway so they're the couple right Votan uh gets pictures of them and he goes back to germany and he's like you know he's looking at these pictures and he's looking at these people in his office and he singles out two people that seem to look similar and of course they look similar because they're the same actors with just a little bit of makeup on no really for sure <laughs> I, I bet money on it so and um, so the guy who's going to do the plastic surgery, Dr. Dietrich, uh, is is played by John Howard, who uh, was in seven Bulldog Drummond movies in the late 30s. Who knew? Also, in, I the, didn't. Fi- <laughs> in the Philadelphia story and the Invisible Woman. He did a lot of those old timey crazy movies and the colonel in the room, Michael Dan Wagner. Um, he, I'm mentioning him because he was a judge in the show Aftermash, which is not MASH, but it's Aftermash. Do you know Aftermash? I'm afraid I don't. It was an attempt at a spinoff. It unfortunately (laughs) didn't, didn't go as planned, but, uh, but yeah, uh, Colonel Potter and, uh, uh, William Christopher and some of the folks from MASH were in that, but, uh. It, it didn't really take off. Uh, but this guy played a judge in that. So, you know, maybe it was his fault. I don't know. Uh, so, so they they select their people who are going to be doppelgangers, right? And um, in the meantime, we, we get a scene with Etta talking to Diana about how mad she is that she has not gotten her pictures yet. Over that ding-dang picture. (laughs) So 
Um, so yeah, she's like, she's, she's got a fire under her and she's going to go and find that guy. Right. So mm-hmm. her and Diana go and they, uh, you know, they have a receipt, right. And so they find this Photoshop or whatever it is, this, this store with, you know, they develop photos and stuff. And there's this guy in there running the place and Diana recognizes him. The he eyes. was the guy on the beach yeah. on the cliff that warned Votan. So she's suspicious immediately, right? And so Etta gives him a piece of her mind, right? And <laughs> she fifty. And she and they they leave the shop, and Diana's like, "I got to go do something," because she's thinking, "I got to turn into Wonder Woman and shake this guy down." And Etta's like, "That's fine. I won't be good company anyway." And she literally <laughs> like grumbles as she's walking off camera, and you can hear her. <laughs> so. She has her great moment, right? And then we follow Wonder Woman, who goes back to this guy's apartment. And, like, like she, I guess it's the apartment above the Photoshop. So mm-hmm. she goes up there. She finds a little radio, like a ham radio, you know, disguised as a hot plate or something. And then the guy comes in. And she I, I forget exactly how he gets away from her. Oh, because she doesn't attack him. She's just like, listen, I'm going to ask you a few questions. I just want to ask you some questions. Yeah, she does the girly thing again. Yeah. I just want to ask questions. And so he like makes a run for it. He runs out the uh the window to the fire escape and she just kind of lets him go because she knows she can catch up with him, right? <laughs> and so he gets in his truck, she jumps down, another fine stunt, uh jumps down off the uh the fire escape into the alley and he tries to ram her with the truck and she just stops it. Great little there was a kind of a nice little patang sound when the truck hits her hands uh-huh. you know and she just stops it cold right so she takes him back upstairs ties him up and and uh oh before she went up there though she um she, i think she called for steve she like she called the office and had etta get steve or something so so steve comes you know steve and etta get there and they've got this guy tied up Mm-hmm. And uh, that's that's when Ed is like, you know, the, like they're going to talk to him about Votan and all this Nazi espionage. And she's like, and you owe me a dollar fifty. <laughs> so um, and, and Steve spies the radio and he's like, hey, did you change the frequency? This is a Nazi frequency. So so anyway, um, they start talking somehow. Oh, they, they because they were talking about where the photos were taken. They were like, yeah, it was right across from the Bureau of Engraving and Printing. And so, you know, where they make the money. And and Wonder Woman says something wistful about the money, you know. And, and Steve's like, hey, why don't I show you around this place? And it's like a date. This is one, like, one of those things that took me aback. Besides... You know, Diana looking at her like or looking at Steve like she's in love with him. Steve basically asks her on a date. He's like, let me show you around the place. Like for no reason. Just because he wants to spend some time with her. Mm-hmm. He's laying the groundwork. I'm telling you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that Steve is smooth. He's one smooth character. All right. So. But not as smooth as Thomas Jefferson. No. Which I know you're going to talk about next. (laughs) It's coming up. But first, (laughs) uh, Votan, um, he's in his office. And, 
you know, he he like does the uh, sort of um, bad guy thing where he sort of explains what his evil plan is, right, uh, to everybody in the room. And mm-hmm. one of those people happens to be an American spy. So so when everybody leaves the room to celebrate this little, you know, oh, because this this was the reveal of the plastic surgery. And so now we see that those actors look exactly like the actors who are yeah. playing the young couple. How of about love, that? Right? It's it's crazy. I don't know where they got the actors to look exactly like them, but it's amazing. <laughs> so so they go off to celebrate, and the American spy stays back so he can call in this information, like right there in Votan's office. And of course, Votan comes back in. Who knows why? Maybe he forgot his wine glass. I don't know. But he comes back, and this guy's in the middle of like trying to send word to America that this is what Votan's plan is: two dollar bills. And then Votan stops him and has him, yeah. you know, hauled off. Yeah, but know... like two seconds of Morse code, right. <laughs> and then and then they get the message, and it's yeah, quite they a don't bit know more elaborate than that. <laughs> it just says it just says Votan two dollar bills. Yeah, and that's all. So the general and Steve are like, "What does that mean?" Uh, and and in the meantime, you see, you know, some time has passed, and Votan and his two plastic surgery people, doppelgangers. Uh, parachute into Washington, D.C. <laughs> Quite mm-hmm. easily, I guess. Mm-hmm. So so this is the moment then where Diana comes in. It's the next morning. Wow, you sneezed and <laughs> I didn't hear a thing. But I saw your camera go, vavoom. <laughs> <laughs> well, I knew that I, I can't do a podcast without either a sneeze or a burp. So <laughs> you got the... Uh, you got the better uh, of the two. Nice. So, anyway, well, you can sorry, burp later if you want. So, <laughs> so anyway, so it's the next morning. Steve is sleeping at his desk. Diana comes in. She sees him and she walks over to him quietly. She kneels down next to him, takes off her glasses, looks at him like he's the most beautiful hunk of man in the world. He might be. He could be. I mean, Lyle Wagner, is he's up there. And, uh, you know, she like brushes her hair, his hair with her hand and puts her hand on his arm. And and then he stirs a little bit. And then before she stops what she's doing, she looks off. There's this look like this is never going to work or there's so much trouble on the horizon. I don't know. It's like a troubled look like she was looking at him in love. And then she looked away and. I'd love to know exactly what that was about. I'd like to think that it's about their doomed relationship because because they never get together. Spoiler alert, they never get together. I know you're sad about it. (laughs) I am sad. That kind of makes me want to shed a tear. Well, you know, maybe things happen off camera that weren't in the show. You know, we can only hope we can, we can only hope there is. I, I will tell you after this first season, there's a jump forward in time where she has gone back to Paradise Island for like 37 years, I believe, because because then when the show comes back, it's in present day. And so Steve is unfortunately, uh, you know, passed away, but his son or his grandson i think it's his son i don't know how the math works but anyway it's a new steve trevor but it's not somebody that she's in love with because it's like 
the son or the grandson of the man she was in love with. So, so there's no more romance for the rest of the series after that. Sadly, sadly. Anyway. So, (laughs) um, So, what are your thoughts on this whole Thomas Jefferson thing? Oh, right. Well, okay. I have two thoughts. (laughs) One is, um, actually i only have one thought the other thought is like did he really talk to her i don't think so so what happens is what she's referring to if you haven't watched the episode is that um steve's looking at a two dollar bill right and he says something about thomas jefferson or tom jefferson and she's like who's that and he's like if only he could speak to us or something like that and then the next scene is her like looking at the two dollar bill going Come on, Mr. Jefferson. Come on. Someone sexual. Come on. Yeah. Yeah, because she she does get an idea and she attributes it to to him. And she's like, thank you, Tom. Tom. And then she kisses the two dollar bill and leaves some sexy lipstick on it. Right. So but here's (laughs) the so but here's the thing I noticed. Right. So back then they didn't have high definition TVs like I do. And when they do a close-up of the $2 bill, it says 1963 series. So it's 1942, but she's got a 1963 $2 bill. Hmm. And, and then when, when they show it again after the lipstick's on it, it's a 1953 $2 bill with a different serial number. So either the props department was not up on their game or she magically turned it into a younger $2 bill through her kiss. I would say the former is probably the more likely there were some budget issues there with, with, uh, you know, not wanting to go back and redo a scene, just get it out there. Well, once you got the lipstick on, you can't redo it. So they, Clearly, they had two <laughs> props, one with lipstick and one without. Right. <laughs> so uh, I'm looking at my notes. Okay. So then, so the next scene, they show up for their date. Like Steve, I'm calling it a date. Probably nobody else in the world thinks it's a date, but I do. Because why else did Steve ask her? He wanted mm-hmm. to spend some time with her. Sure. And when he gets there, she is in her glorious cape. It's like she dressed up, right? Not just her cape, but if you notice, she has a skirt on too. Like when Wonder Woman, uh, when, when her costume in the in the first episode first appeared, there was a skirt. There's a kitty behind you. There is. <laughs> For those who can't see, there is a kitty behind Susan. I have kitties behind me in every, and in front of me in every <laughs> Zoom meeting I do. <laughs> Awesome. It enhances the meeting for sure. (laughs) So she's wearing this cape. She's wearing this skirt that hasn't, I don't believe it's appeared since the, uh, the pilot episode. It's like a removable skirt that I, you know, so she dressed up, she dressed up to meet Steve. It's a date. I'm, I'm just, I'm just going to say. So, (laughs) so it sounds like Diana is the one who kind of has a thing, but it's transferred over at least a little bit to her persona as wonder woman well the thing is steve doesn't love diana he loves wonder woman 
So well, he can't love Diana because they're in the military, and that's in the mili- inappropriate. Now, tell me, we're going to go off on a tangent again here because I haven't, <laughs> I haven't really figured this out, but I assume it's because he's with special services. He's with the intelligence, some intelligence branch, right? Uh, I forget what they call it, but he's in the army, and she is in the navy. She's a yeoman. In the Navy. Mm-hmm. And she works for him. And he's in the Army. Just- I haven't really figured that out either. I think that might have, you know, believe it or not, I don't know everything. Uh, that there I don't is believe it. I don't about- believe that for a second. <laughs> about the military. But I, I don't know. Maybe working for the War Department, you'll have different people in different branches, but it almost doesn't matter you're not supposed, I mean, it happens all the time, but you're not really supposed to fraternize. Uh, okay. Yeah. In that regard. Okay. Uh, especially when you're officers. Sure. You know? Well, you uh, know. So so maybe he just kind of shelved it like, yeah, you know, she's beautiful, whatever. But her hair well, is always pulled back in a bun and she wears glasses. And And this is another thing I've always wondered. Does he really not know that that's Wonder Woman? Come on. Come on. Uh, it's one of Steve's biggest shortcomings that he can't figure out that that's Wonder Woman. Man, that guy's he, dumb for a he, freaking officer. <laughs> he has ample opportunity to figure it out. And somehow, and maybe it's because he loves her. Maybe that's what blinds him to to figuring out who she is. This show is so much more complex than well, I thought when I was like seven years old. Well, I'm learning a lot from you, Stan. <laughs> I think there is a lot to the show because there's a lot to this character. And that's, mm-hmm. I mean, that's, that goes back to, you know, when the character was written uh, in the comics in, you know, starting in 1942, like mm-hmm. the character has been around for years before the show. And so there's a lot, there's a lot of good stuff there to draw from. And some of these writers, I think, uh, did their homework and when they did the pilot they did their homework and so mm-hmm. um you know i think they that is an advantage that this show has that some other shows don't have like bionic woman which is a great show mm-hmm. you know there was no bionic woman comic book before the show like she was invented for the show mm-hmm. she was invented for the six million dollar man show and and so they were just making everything up but for this show they have years of you know over three decades of material to to draw from they don't always take advantage of that because because there's a lot that they could do that they don't and you know but that has to do with budget even even the way the show is now with no super villains with actual superpowers and and there were in the comics you know even with that even with her powers toned down so that it's basically you know, it's it's more like a, a human espionage kind of thing. They still felt like being in the 40s was was too much of a budget for them to deal with. And that's why after the first season, it, it becomes a present day thing. Okay. I just totally went off on a tangent there and didn't even let you chime in. How's it going? Do you want me to chime in now? With yes. My notes? Oh, my oh, gosh. My little, my little yes. pad here. Yes, please do. A so, couple of things really quick. When uh, I forgot the dude's name now, when they're coming out of the 
Bureau of Engraving and Printing. Oh, bad Hank? Or is it good Hank? Hank is the... I think it's bad Hank. And he says, I personally keep them, talking about the engraving plates, I personally keep them under lock and key. And I thought, where do you do that? Under your pillow? (laughs) Or like in the building? I don't know. That kind of didn't make sense. And Uh then the next note that I wrote was, why is this woman crumpling up $2 bill sheets? That was not explained. Oh Remember, my gosh. They were I, in the, in the, in the BEP. Yeah. <laughs> and so, she's like, gra- like grabbing them. Like, I'm so angry. These $2 bills did not turn out like I wanted them to. Well, and that throwing whole, them in the garbage. That I, I, I swear I've seen that before that whole sequence, you know, because the whole sequence plays like, like a lot of the footage is borrowed from, you know, some movie that you probably saw in grades that they yeah, showed B-roll you in grade school. Stuff. Yeah. yeah. Like right. how, how the printing process works. And I remember, I remember scenes where people would take whole sheets and crumple them up and throw them away. But what the narration was, you know, when I saw that original thing in fifth grade or whatever it was, they were talking about how if there were any imperfections at all, on a, on a sheet, they threw the whole thing away. Yeah. They didn't. They didn't send it to the cutter. They they threw the whole sheet away, and that was it. So like all those people are looking for because theoretically, when you have a piece of currency that has a um, a blemish on it or whatever, a mistake on it, it's suddenly you know that 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 piece of currency is suddenly worth more than what it's supposed to be worth. And so they don't want those going out there. So they would rather uh, throw that whole sheet away and print a new one. So that's what that was about. Interesting. And I swear, I swear that that's the same footage that I saw in the fifth grade or whenever it was that I saw it. Maybe it was high school. I don't know. It all, it all blurs together for me, but anyway. um, So did you have other notes though? Um, only one more that, uh, Dan Fletcher, who was the secret service guy, that was his name in the, in the show looks a lot like George W. Bush. And that is pretty much my last note. Aren't you glad I shared that? I am because I didn't have any notes (laughs) about Dan Fletcher. And so I'm glad you go back and watch it. He, he absolutely does. It's everything. The eyes, the smile. Yeah. All right. So, so I know that's uh, totally irrelevant to anything we're talking about right now, but it was just a, a thought. But I love that level of detail. And that adds so much <laughs> to the episode, I think. <laughs> so, um, so basically, when they finish their little tour, Wonder Woman sort of puts together Votan's plan and she says it to Steve again in a way that allows him to think that he's thinking of it. Yes. Like she It's can't... like, have you seen, okay, sorry, this is totally irrelevant. Uh, <laughs> my big fat Greek wedding. Oh yeah. 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 Where, uh, where they're like, you know, he, he's, he's got to make, he, he's got to feel like this is his plan or whatever. <laughs> yeah. And so, yeah. so they're kind of leading the, the father of the family into thinking that Tula, his daughter should go into uh, to, to college and whatever. Mm-hmm. And he's like, Oh, I think Dula should go. And then of course the women are like, Oh, you're so brilliant. Oh, <laughs> exactly. that's such a great plan. Oh my God. <laughs> and obviously they planned it all. Mm-hmm. They planted the seed. 
And yeah. so it made him think, oh, this is my idea. I feel like that's what Diana does with Steve. She uh, kind of plants these things to where he thinks that he comes up with them on his own. And she's kind of standing back smiling like, yeah, yeah. I did that, it again. Exactly. That is her life. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so once again, Steve has a brilliant idea coming out of nowhere. He has figured out Votan's plan. And so uh, next we see that Votan has reappeared as the counterman in this mm -hmm. restaurant, this diner, yeah. right? And he's got his, his magical mustache on that he takes on and off throughout the rest of the episode. He's just like zips it off and then he puts it back on. You don't get to see him put it on, but he rips it off like sure twice on camera which I, I don't know why he does that if i mean you know if it's spirit gum then i wouldn't i've had to wear a mustache on stage before i could grow one myself and, and i don't I've recommend never done that just, on stage i don't know oh, what really? that's like no not a mustache other things <laughs> not a stash well it's a drag uh, i'm sure and i would not just rip it off because it's too much trouble to put back on and you know it could hurt <laughs> if you just rip it sure. off. Anyway, so um, so our Secret Service man, George Bush, goes to the Bureau of Printing and <laughs> Engraving with Bad Hank. Bad Hank is now, you know, Hank, good Hank has been replaced with Bad Hank. Mm -hmm. And and so they go in together. Um good uh Maggie, is it Maggie? I forgot her name already. Yeah, uh, Maggie. Yeah. Good Maggie has been replaced by Bad Maggie. Who is now? Oh, and by the way, I didn't mention this is a plot point. Earlier, when Good Maggie was Good Maggie, she ran up to Wonder Woman before the date, um, and asked for her autograph for her for her brother. Yes, that and was another is, note I made. Is oh, that yeah. good? Good fake out by Wonder Woman getting her to admit, or you know, getting her to see. Anyway, I'm getting ahead of myself. You explain. Yes, it. yes, yes. So, so we know that Wonder Woman gave her a, a an autograph on a menu because that's the first thing that Maggie grabbed. Uh -huh. Right. So so now it's bad Maggie and she's working in the diner and Wotan Votan's in there, um, you know, uh, acting like he's running the counter. And so Diana comes in, I guess, ordering lunch for Steve and the general. And she gives this enormous list of stuff like I need a tuna fish sandwich and I need <laughs> this and that. And it goes on forever. And and so finally. They say, uh, Bad Maggie says, okay, that'll be $2. And number one, my first thought was $2 for all that <laughs> <Right>? food? <laughs> I'm like, what a deal. And then I thought, and, and, and then Diana pays with two singles. And I'm like, why didn't she use a $2 bill? Like, that's well, the theme that, of the episode. Also, it kind of explains... If, if you get all that for $2, then no wonder Etta was all pissed off about, I want my dollar fifty Because apparently that was a big thing back right. then. Right. I mean, you could you could buy at least a lunch and a half with that, right? <laughs> so um anyway, so so yeah, then then Diana sees the the um the autographed menu and she's like something's going on here because like, you know, Maggie made a big deal out of this autograph. Now it's just sitting here on the counter. Right. And, and there she is. So wonder woman, uh, well, uh, Diana goes and turns into wonder woman in the alley. 
And then she does something weird. She calls Steve and and uses the voice of George Bush, right? Another superpower, yeah. And and she's used this superpower before, but my question about it was how did she know about this? Oh, well, she's she's Steve's secretary. So of course she knows about the uh the Secret Service guy. So anyway, she uses his voice and says, Steve, something's going on. You gotta come down here. Come down to the diner, right? And so then she goes back into the diner and she calls, she calls Maggie who's bad Maggie on the autograph thing. First, she like traps her. She's like, um, I didn't write enough on this autograph. Did you say it was for your sister? <laughs> and, Mag- and Maggie's like, yeah, yeah, my sister. <laughs> so, And so she says, but before you said it was for your brother, you're not BS. Maggie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She just nails her at that point. BS. Yeah. You're not Maggie. Yeah. And so Maggie, go, bad Maggie goes for a gun behind the counter, <laughs> but, but Votan grabs Wonder Woman and he's like, Hey man, that's not going to work. Uh, and, and then, and I don't know how he convinces her because he's got no weapons. I, I guess because he says, I I've got, you know, I've got the real Maggie and Hank and I'm going to hurt them if you do anything. Right. So mm-hmm. somehow he calms Wonder Woman down. And she's like, why should I believe you? And and he says, well, they're right here in the basement. Come on down. You know, it's like being really cool and straightforward about it. Mm-hmm. And so they go down to the basement. And sure enough, uh, good Maggie and good Hank are are in a, a cage. And they're being uh, guarded by Victor Argo, who I totally recognized. I didn't know who I was recognizing, but like, I'm like, this look like this looks like a the young version of a guy that I know, right? And so he's been in a million things. He's been in six Martin Scorsese movies. Like Martin Scorsese loves him. He's been in Boxcar Bertha, Mean Streets, Taxi Driver, After Hours, Last Temptation of Christ, and New York Stories. And also, um, <laughs> the IMDB says he's a he was a good friend of Yoko Ono. And Harvey Keitel. And Harvey Keitel is probably how he got to meet Martin Scorsese. But mm-hmm. but apparently he he used to party with Yoko Ono, at least back in the day, you know, back in this wild and wonderful 60s. But anyway, there's this guy that you've seen in just about everything. He's always the, the bad guy, the heavy. Um, and he's got almost no lines in this. And he's just guarding the uh, the little... And I don't know why in the basement of a diner, they happen to have a cell, a prison cell. Right. I wondered that too. (laughs) I mean, that didn't occur to me till just now. I'm like, wait a minute. It's a diner. What, why is there a little prison cell in the basement? Uh, Maybe it used to be something else. We'll just say that. And we just, we just accept it because. Maybe diners all have cells that we don't know about makes you look at diners differently now doesn't it (laughs) now i'm afraid to go into a diner oh my gosh um so one last thing about this scene that i kind of jumped over um to his credit because we've been i've been giving Stuart margolin a hard time um (laughs) he does a wonderful camera angle when when uh votan talks um wonder woman into giving up her bracelets 
And when mm-hmm. she hands the bracelets, it's almost like a, a point of view from uh, from Votan. It's not quite, you know, but he's off to the side of the camera and she hands the bracelets towards him. And there's almost a 3D effect where her arm sort of comes out towards the audience. It's mm-hmm. a nice angle and I, I appreciated it. So, you know, there were some really good visual things that happened. There were some weird ones. But but there were some good ones, too. Maybe Stuart was still learning. I don't know. Um, he didn't start too long before this. So, and for all I know, he's still directing. He's still acting. So, anyway, uh, we said we were going to, like, hustle through this. So. <laughs> so, anyway, in the meantime, so, so, and then Diana gets, I mean, Wonder Woman gets put into the cell, the diner cell, with the good Maggie and the good Hank. And mm-hmm. and they lock the door with a chain. And no and sandwiches or, or or drinks or nothing. No, not a thing. <laughs> that's that's cruel and unusual. So Steve, who's gotten the message to come down to the diner, he he gets there, and he asks uh, bad Maggie to call her bad fiance at the uh, at the Bureau of Engraving and Printing, and um, so in the meantime, Votan comes up beside him and says hey here's some coffee on the house and so steve drinks the evil coffee and (laughs) then he gets he gets uh bad hank on the phone who is in the process of stealing the plates right like he's in his personal vault this is where he keeps it under lock and key i guess and um and in the meantime george bush is tied up in the background (laughs) yeah and so you know, he talks to Steve and he's like, oh, yeah, I met your George Bush fellow. And, uh, you know, he's great. And uh, but he was waiting outside. He didn't come in with me. I guess, you know, I just thought he was waiting outside. So goodbye. And so he hangs up and then he tells he does the evil. You know, I'm going to tell you my evil plan thing to George Bush and says, you know, I'm j- I'm going to I'm going to blow you up and, and I'm going to take these plates and then they won't know what plates I stole and what I didn't. And then he turns around and George Bush kicks him in the back of the legs and he falls. And at first I thought, well, that is the most lame secret service move I've ever seen because that's all he's able to do. He kicks him. The guy recovers. And then he's got nothing else. Like he's still lying there tied up. Um, But what this does is it aggravates the uh, loose filling that the spy has. So right? this spy, we I forgot to mention, he's had this problem with a filling. And Votan back in Berlin says, you better get that taken care of. I don't want it compromising the mission. And, you know, then they go have champagne. And then, <laughs> obviously, he never took care of it because mm-hmm. one, one fall a- against a desk and suddenly it's a problem again. So right. <laughs> he's loosened the guy's filling. So I guess for story-wise, that was the purpose of that really lame attack. So anyway, you know, the bad Hank recovers and he's like, I ought to kill you right now, but I'm going to let you just sit here and listen to this clock ticking before you blow up. <laughs> like, you know, listen gonna... to me whinging about my tooth. <laughs> yes. So he goes outside and and he joins. Um, oh, and, and Steve meets him outside and and Steve finds out about his, you know, his. um his filling because he keeps like wincing, you know, and he's like, well, I've got a dentist right around the corner. Let's go take care of it, you know, and and he's like, oh, don't worry about it. And he's like, no, seriously, I'm going to, uh, you know, 
I, I don't know where my secret service guy went, but I'm going to be your shadow and I want to mm-hmm. take care of your tooth. So let's go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's and my friend, is- eh? Come on. Come see my friend. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, bad Hank doesn't know what to say to him. So he's like, uh, okay, let me just say bye to my fiance. So he runs into the diner, gives Votan the plates and says, I guess I got to go to this guy's dentist. And Votan says, I told you to take care of that filling before. <laughs> and so, you know, he's like, just go. And so the guy goes off to Steve's dentist and Votan runs downstairs with bad Maggie. And, um, oh, no, no, she stays upstairs. I'm sorry. And um, But he runs downstairs just to brag at Wonder Woman that he's got the plates and goodbye. Now, weirdly, at the beginning of the episode, they say Votan is a super mysterious spy and nobody's ever seen his face, right? And... Everybody has seen his face in this episode. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and I don't know if we expect him to kill everybody or, I mean, obviously he intends to kill good Maggie, good Hank and wonder woman and maybe Steve for good measure, but more people have seen his face. Like if I were bad Hank and bad Maggie, I'd be worried because once they've served their purpose, there's no reason for them to be around either. That's just food for thought. So Wonder Woman, in the meantime, Wonder Woman, who's obviously been strong enough to do this the whole time, decides now that Wotan's run off with the plates. Now she's going to spring into action. And I will say she doesn't have her bracelets, so maybe she's afraid somebody's going to get shot and she won't be able to defend them, you know, speaking specifically of good Maggie and mm-hmm. good Hank, right? But, mm-hmm. I mean, she could have done something before this. She Come could have on, done Wonder something. Woman. <laughs> but, you know, she she waited to the right moment, I guess. And so when when uh, Jason, the, the guard, is not looking, she, like, just takes the padlock and crushes it, right? Mm-hmm. And so now the chain is free, the door is, you know, ready to open. And, and Jason decides he wants to play with these bracelets all of a sudden i don't know why but he like starts trying to put the bracelets on and and she's of course you know as you say with this very sweet voice you know she's like oh well you know you have to those will fit you just have to put them in the right you know on the right place in your wrist you know let me show you how to adjust them yeah, exactly. Yeah. So yeah, she's using her feminine wiles for sure. Right. And so he goes over there, of course, and she um grabs his hand, pulls him through the um the 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 cell bars, and you know, kind of squeezes his wrist and he drops the gun. And then she takes him and throws him against a brick wall with enough force, I think, that would probably kill somebody. Like <laughs> sometimes they're careful to uh to couch some of this uh you know some of this superhero stuff but she really throws him hard enough like if he were an actual person hitting an actual brick wall with his head he would have died and i don't think wonder woman meant to to kill jason you know he's got a lot of scorsese movies to do she he, she can't kill him <laughs> so uh, so I assume that's supposed to be just to knock him out. So anyway, she tosses him. He's knocked out. 
And she tells good Maggie and good Hank to go tell, you know, go to the war department and tell Blankenship. And, uh, which, you know, they should have been able to just call him. I think <laughs> maybe she could call him. I don't know. But anyway, uh, but she's got business to take care of in the meantime, over at the dentist and this dentist, by the way, is played by Don Eitner. And he, uh, was on a mash episode believe it or not <laughs> he was in a an episode called bug out he's just he's just credited as captain um but i think i think i know uh who he was in the in the episode anyway i I, I digress but yes well you know there so bug out is a two-parter right and uh radar hawkeye and and hot lips well she's margaret by then um have to stay at the camp while everybody else bugs out because the Chinese are on the way. And so they're in this creepy, quiet camp all by themselves. And suddenly this convoy comes through and, and Hawkeye goes, you know, this, uh, this Jeep stops. And this guy who I think is this captain played by Don Eitner uh, says, you guys shouldn't be here. And he's like, well, we got to take care of a patient. Where's the front. And the captain says, you're standing on it. It's kind of like a, a woo moment, like, whoa, uh, Anyway, let's talk about Wonder Woman because I think that's why we're here. Hey, you got a, <laughs> you've got a kitty there. It's another kitty. <laughs> that's a different kitty than I saw before. I have lots of different kitties. Wow, you the, our <laughs> listeners can't see it, but it's one cute kitty. This is my little orange kitty. Yay! That my father named Pumpkin. Oh, nice. Uh, I think I told you this story, didn't I? It was like a not even a week before he passed away. Oh, really? Yeah, and he saw this little orange kitty and said, where'd you get that pumpkin? Oh. <laughs> I know we just went in a wildly different turn, didn't we? That's okay. <laughs> that is absolutely fine. I can tell that story without, without weeping now. It's been a year and a half. He's That's uh, good. Just over a year and a half. But anyway. Wonderful. Uh, pumpkin. Bye, pumpkin. Pumpkin is now in the pumpkin kitchen because is- <laughs> pumpkin thinks he's uh, getting ready to get a treat. Oh, okay. Well, if you have to go give him a treat, then please do. No, they they can they can wait. They're fine. They won't die. Well, let's get back to Mash. I mean, Wonder Woman. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. So Don Eitner. (laughs) Don Eitner. So so anyway, this this dentist says, "Hey, Steve. um, I don't know if I've been watching too many movies, but this uh, filling I just took out of this guy is made of steel. Steel. And, all, you know, Nazis are the ones that make steel fillings, which I don't know is if that's historically accurate. I mean. I don't know. I wondered that, too. And I was going to try to look that up uh, if if that's a thing. I mean, it was because of rationing, because, you know, they, they didn't want to use gold or, or um, silver uh, because that was needed elsewhere. So. Fillings were apparently made of steel, <laughs> um, but you know. I don't know. I will ask. Uh, one of my brothers is um, is a aficionado of uh, World War II stuff. I think he would know that. I'm going to ask him. Unfortunately, I don't have that information for you for this podcast, but I'll find out. For well, I'm curious week. to know. I, I have I listened to this hardcore history podcast. Have you ever heard that? Um, it's a great podcast. I have not. And this, um, there's a, a long series this guy does on World War One, and at least in World War One, it is true that 
the um, the Germans were running out of everything. Mm-hmm. All their resources were being taken up by the war. And so that would not surprise me at all if they right. just made shit up to put in your mouth <laughs> instead of using valuable metals that they needed elsewhere. But that's the thing. I mean, s- steel would be needed elsewhere, too. I don't know. Uh, find out for me and we'll get back to our, our faithful will. listeners. Yeah. Um, so the, the billions of them. What's that? The billions. The, the of billions listeners. of listeners. Yes. Yes, absolutely. They're very quiet. They're very quiet and they don't, <laughs> they don't talk to me. They don't send emails or anything. They're um, intimidated by you. <laughs> that must be it. So, so Wonder Woman lures bad Maggie down into the basement by throwing a pot against the door. And that works, believe it or not. And and um, and so when Maggie, when Bad Maggie comes down, Wonder Woman throws her in the cell with Jason, and and fixes the door so it won't open. Right, and so she leaves. And almost as soon as she leaves, Steve shows up. He's come back with Bad Hank from the dentist. And you know he's not letting on to Bad Hank that he sus- suspects him now because of his steel filling. And uh he's just playing it cool and he's like let's go let's go find Maggie. And in the meantime, there's a there's a there's a single customer in there who's been waiting for service. And of course Maggie is downstairs incapacitated. And so and this lady is dressed up I I I sort of recognize this um you know just watching it but it it confirmed in IMDB, if you believe that, um, you know, that she was specifically made up to look like Rosie the Riveter, like, you know, like, like those uh, posters of Rosie the Riveter. Uh-huh. Yeah. And, and she did, she, she looked just like her and, and she just had this one little walk on thing. And she's like, you know, I'm leaving because I'm not getting any service. And then she leaves. I, I don't know why she was there. <laughs> Maybe it was a favor to this actor, you know, that she got to do a one line walk on or something. Uh, but anyway, so um, Steve convinces Bad Hank to go down to the basement, right? And Steve, being the clever guy he is, goes first. And so, of course, Hank pushes him down the stairs and, and just about knocks him out. And then he goes and frees Bad Maggie. But Steve recovers and starts fighting this guy. And, of course... Maggie has time to get a gun and and puts it on Steve. And I don't know actually where she got that gun because Wonder Woman, before she left, bent the last gun that was there. Right. And so maybe Bad Maggie had her own gun. I don't know. Or maybe Steve dropped it or maybe Bad Hank had it. It's hard to say. I'm I'm going to blame Stuart Margolis or Margolin. Jeez, what's his name? <laughs> Stuart Margolis. I must know somebody named Margolis. There's an acting coach named Margolis, I think. Anyway, Stephen Margol. No, Stuart Margolin. Right? Stuart Margolin. I blame him. I'll never forget that now. I'll have that name cemented in my brain now. Stuart Margolin. Anyway, where'd where'd the extra gun come from, Tarantino? I don't know. All right. So... So now Maggie's bad Maggie's got the drop on Steve. So she throws him into the cell and then the other three can get out of there. Right. So they, 
So they somehow relock the padlock that Wonder Woman destroyed, and he's locked in. Right. So they run. Well, that's the beauty of Stuart Margolin is that <laughs> locks and guns are just randomly placed on the set. <laughs> They've got extra padlocks, extra guns. <laughs> and um, but Steve, not to be outwitted, grabs a fork and picks a lock. So he's not far behind them. He frees himself immediately and he's not far behind. So um, but in the meantime, Votan and soon bad maggie and bad hank along with jason are, are ha- on the who, beach who, who by the way have no german accents whatsoever oh well if you recall well i don't know why why Votan doesn't but um but if you recall the, <laughs> the one general said i've had them learning at my special american village <laughs> he has an american village but yet they still say Votan and Votan. not Votan. well it's, I guess, that's neither prop, here nor there. Proper respect for his German heritage. <laughs> so Wonder Woman gets there. She lassos uh, bad uh, Hank and bad um, Maggie. Maggie. Sorry, I just hesitated because where did Jason go? <laughs> I don't. Ask, I don't recall. Uh, Stuart Margolin. I don't know. Stuart, <laughs> <laughs> answer our questions. I I'm sure I missed it, but I watched the thing twice, like in the last couple of days, and I don't remember what happened to Jason. <laughs> I don't somewhere remember either. Be- somewhere <laughs> between the diner and the beach, he's disappeared. Because- it's okay. I don't think our audience gives a shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, I've got to change the rating. No, I'm just kidding. It doesn't matter. Um. So. So she she lassos the the fiancés, the fake fiancés, right? And ties them up, leaves them on the on the beach. In the meantime, Votan has gotten ahead and he's in the water with his rubber raft. And she takes her tiara off, boomerangs it at yeah. the raft. And pops that raft <laughs> like a cheap balloon. And then it flies back to her and she puts it back on her head. And so then... So the, and there's an actual sad I don't know if it's a sad trombone or a sad trumpet in the soundtrack when his raft deflates. <laughs> like there's an actual sad tuba sound or something. I don't know. It's like wop wop right in the middle of the soundtrack. Anyway, so so Wotan's not going to make it to their, you know, whatever submarines waiting for him. Um so he has to drag himself back to shore and Wonder Woman's got him. She takes the other end of the lasso, the longest lasso I've ever seen in my life. Right. That's still tied to the the other couple and lassos (laughs) him and drags him, you know, onto shore. And he's like, well, you weren't quick enough to save Steve. And she's like, and her expression changes. And she's like, what happened to Steve? And he goes, he's in Valhalla. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know that he gives the evil laugh, but he should have because that would have been <laughs> a nice touch. Laugh. So in the meantime, Steve has freed himself and he goes directly to George Bush, who's still tied up <laughs> in the Bureau of Engraving and whatever mm-hmm. yep, in the yep, vault yep. and yep. the the bomb's going to go off. And Steve 
looks at the bomb. So it's like, you know, four or five sticks of dynamite with a little cheap clock on it. Right. Mm-hmm. And, <laughs> and George Bush is tied up and he's, he looks at Steve, like you're going to take care of this. Right. And I swear to you, Steve has this expression, like, I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm going to give it a shot. <laughs> like, <laughs> he seriously looks like, I think this will work. I don't know. It depends on the writers. (laughs) Yeah, but like he's going to like rather, first of all, they're in a vault, right? So he could take, he could grab George Bush, drag him outside, close the vault, let it blow up. And then he, nobody would be hurt, but they'd have, you know, there'd be some collateral damage with the, the, the plates and everything. So, but he's going to save the day by defusing this bomb that he clearly has no idea how to do because he looks like he's worried. Like, but it's like in a jovial way, like, I don't know if this will work, but here we go. (laughs) And so he grabs, you know, grabs one of the wires and yanks it out and it works. They don't blow up. And so so he, you know, he, he winds up outside. He, He takes his friend from the secret service, Mr. George W. Bush. And he, we're talking about George W. Right. I mean, that's uh, to not me, George that's H.W. Looks, no, he, he looked like George W. OK, OK. So so and 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 Wonder Woman just gets there in the nick of time to see Steve emerging from the building and everything's OK. And she's like, oh, that's fantastic. You know, she she came to rescue him and there he is having rescued himself. And uh, so um, and he's very proud of himself that he did it without her help. Because he's constantly having to be rescued by her. But did and, he? Did well, he? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. His behavior in the diner, I think, should be part of his report. <laughs> and how he allowed himself to be kicked down the stairs because he went first. Anyway, <laughs> she. So, um, so he's very proud of himself. And we have a nice little moment between them. And uh, we get their traditional epilogue at the audience where they kind of wrap things up. But did I say audience at the office <laughs> at his at Steve's office? They usually have an epilogue, you know, a last scene where they make mm-hmm. some comments about, you know, well, this was a fine adventure or whatever. So but we get more good at a candy stuff because she's like, Wonder Woman's so great. I wish I were her. But and, I still uh, want my dollar fifty. <laughs> Damn it. Where's my dollar fifty in all this? <laughs> and, you know, so and and then Steve says. The government is taking the $2 bills out of circulation. Now, yeah, I noticed why, that. why would they do that? Because I don't like, know. You, like you say, it never happened. Now, I will say I, I, I looked it up, too. And what I did notice was that they were out of print from 66 to 76, just for 10 years, because they, they just didn't need to print more. But they, they were still in circulation, like you mm-hmm. said, right? Yeah. They've always been in circulation, but for some reason, and I remember this when I was a kid, because I, I got one from my grandparents too. They gave me, maybe they gave me a couple of them. I don't know. They gave me a couple mm-hmm. of $2 bills. But they stopped because they were worried that you would become a stripper. Exactly. It's like the same thing. <laughs> wow. We're living parallel lives. <laughs> but there, there has been these urban legends about, you know, people can't, can't use them because they're used so infrequently that people think they're fake. And there's there's this old expression, uh, which I don't know if it's really appropriate to say anymore, but but um, uh, 
people used to say queer is a $3 bill, right? Mm-hmm. I've and, heard that. And I've heard people say it, queer is a $2 bill, as though $2 bills are fake. And so huh. like there's this there's this mass hysteria where people think $2 bills aren't real. And they've always been in circulation. And so I just, I, I guess what my point is, is that in 76, when there was a, a resurgence of use because they started printing them again, if if people believe that for some reason, for a while, they were they were um, not issued, or, you know, because they stopped printing them or something. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm just wondering why somebody would write this episode and have that statement in there that the government is going to stop issuing them. Maybe that was the thought process at the time. It's crazy. It's crazy, Susan. It's, it's, it is crazy, Stan. It's lunacy. I mean, <laughs> everything in this everything in this episode is supposed to be real or based on reality. Including, really? Yes, including the lasso. And the cuffs and the tiara and the... <laughs> everything, everything. Egregious it's, strength. It's, except this lie about $2 bills. <laughs> How dare you, Steve? I blame Stuart, of course. All right, so... <laughs> So anyway, so they're talking about Wonder Woman, right? And because Etta says she wants to be Wonder Woman and and Steve's like, hey, man, there's only one Wonder Woman, right? Mm -hmm. And then he says this weird thing. Wonder Woman has all the virtues of femininity with none of the vices. And I'm like, what are the vices of femininity that you are referring to, Stephen? What an (laughs) a-hole. I don't. I miss that somehow. I don't. I don't like that comment. What vices? Oh, Wonder yeah. Woman doesn't get a ticket when she gets pulled over because she just <laughs> lashes her boobs. What are the vices of femininity? Come on. Come on, Steve. Stephen Leonard Trevor. She uses his full name in this episode vices. earlier. I, right, anyway. That's a whole other podcast that we can yes. go on. But about let's that. not listen. Vices. Let's not hate on Steve because. Wonder oh, I'm Woman. hating on Steve. We're ending this episode with Susan Sistar hating on Steve. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to point that out. Because Wonder <laughs> Wonder Woman tempers it. She says, she says, um, you know what, Etta, we can just, we can't all be Wonder Woman, but we can be, just be the best women we can possibly be. That's something my mom said, or something like that. So, you know, she says this wonderful thing, and it's true for everybody. You know, you can only be the best person that you can possibly be. So as usual, Wonder Woman in her wisdom has, you know, taught everybody, including Steve, a lesson (laughs) about, about virtues. He learned it. I don't know yet. (laughs) We'll find out in the next episode. Okay. So, um, so that's the episode. Of course, you know, Wonder Woman gives her trademark smile as Diana. It's telling us there's only 10 minutes. I'm sorry. <laughs> I know. <laughs> so we're going to, here's what we'll do. We'll wrap up the episode and then we'll come back with a new, uh, a new recording and we'll talk, we'll talk Susan Sister. We'll talk. No. Did you just say Sister? No, I did not. <laughs> I don't have it in front of me. Listen. I've never used that name other than when you've told me. Dan. 
this day and the other day when we were talking on on the real guys sistar i think you just boo-booed and you're now covering it up i am totally i'm like i'm scrambling for excuses but you know what i just, i love you so much and your hair <laughs> and i just want to run my fingers through your hair i will forgive you just like steve and leonard trevor so <laughs> tell me again though how you say your name correctly sistar 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 okay. mm-hmm. Sistar. All right. It was originally Sistera. And that oh, was really? my great grandparents who moved here from Spain and they wanted to sound a little more American. So they just switched the E and the A and they became oh. Sistar. Wow. Yeah. Very wow. cool. <laughs> okay. Now that I've got that straight, because you know, <laughs> I just never listen. This is my problem. I don't listen. <laughs> I want to say one more thing. About the episode, and then okay. we're going to talk about you, Susan Sistar, right? So there's a guy in the credits named Bob Harks, and I mean the credits on IMDb because he's uncredited on the show. Okay. And he's listed as pedestrian. I don't know who he is, but he, so I looked him up. He is an uncredited walk-on in Every freaking show that ever existed. Oh, wow. And he's also got credits as stand-in and stunt double. So this is a guy, like, from Central Casting, who just worked as an actor for the studio or whoever, and was just in all these shows. And all he did was, like, walk on background stuff. In fact, of course, as you might guess that I would mention, he was on MASH. (laughs) In their their second episode ever, he was a colonel somewhere. (laughs) And again, I don't know exactly where because he didn't have any lines, but he was in the background. But like he's been on like one of his first jobs was Adam 12. And one of his last jobs was Forrest Gump. Like he's just been doing it forever. So interesting. Anyway, so there you have it. I'll have to follow that guy's career. (laughs) The last of the $2 bills. Although it's a lie because they weren't the last of the $2 bills. But in this Wonder Woman universe, they were. So I guess I don't have a clear idea how much, if at all, you watched the original Wonder Woman when you were growing up or whenever. I will tell you. Okay. Okay. I was pretty young. Um. But I do remember it well because I grew up with two older brothers who always beat the crap out of me. Um, very much a, a tomboy. I had no choice. I had no real female influence. I mean, my mother, but, you know, she uh, she tried to get me to be girly and stuff, and it, it just wasn't happening. So uh, in, in a lot of the neighborhood kids, most of them were, were boys. So I had a lot of testosterone uh, growing up around me. Uh-huh. But I also kind of resented it because <laughs> right. I was like, there's nothing on TV that's, you know, for me. Although that's not true. Wonder Woman... Um, I greatly admired her. 
I'm also a big Joan Jett fan because when Joan Jett made her appearance on the music scene, wow, um, I've never seen anything like it. You know, it was uh-huh. this like strong ass female chick. And, you know, I I have my influences that are that are male that I, I love dearly. Keanu Reeves is one of them. Mm. Um, of course, Corey Feldman, you know, right. is, uh, is one of my, my dudes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate his background. Um, he's coming to Spartanburg. Yeah. By the way. Yeah. I know. We're going to hang out. Yeah. Talk about that. So talk about <laughs> when you met him. He's coming the day after my birthday. And uh, uh-huh. I like to tell people that he did that on purpose. Uh-huh. Maybe he did. I don't know, but I'd like to think that. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, he's coming back. And, um, you know, he's a pretty good performer. Uh, I know people give him a hard time uh, because I guess when you're an actor or a musician and then you flip flop, uh, you're going to take some flack. Yeah. And he has. Uh, but he's actually, he is a really good performer. He did all the songs from, uh, not all, but a, a lot of the famous songs that he, uh, from movies that he was in mm-hmm. back in the day. And uh, he was very good at it. He's uh, plays guitar. He sings. Uh, his band is pretty good. It, it's a good time. I'll say that. Mm-hmm. And he was very nice to talk to. I hung out with him a little bit uh, last December. And uh, I, I, re- I really, I, I like him. I respect him. How did you meet him last December? Uh, through, I bought a VIP ticket. Oh, okay. Okay. And then uh, I gave him a copy of my book. Oh, okay. So. Now, uh, which book is this? Because you are a prolific author. Like I've, you've had, you have a couple of books, right? I have uh, five. Five. And uh, I I gave him the the second book that I wrote, which is called Cats, Boys, and Booze. And the subtitle is How Not to Find Love in a Really Small Town. Because Spartanburg is small. Spartanburg, mm-hmm. South Carolina. Um, a decade ago when I wrote this, Spartanburg was not what it is now. It uh-huh. didn't have the number of restaurants and, you know, cool places and it used to be called well i actually called it this i used to say it was greenville's uglier twin <laughs> okay because greenville was like the place to go but right. now greenville has kind of turned into a charlotte jr and uh and parking is awful and you know spartanburg is still small enough where you can park anywhere downtown and go to lots of places uh-huh yeah and it's my hometown and i've kind of gained an affinity for it more than I ever had before. And I think that's more to do with the fact that um, my parents have, have passed on Mm -hmm. and, uh, and I don't have a lot of family left. I have two brothers who are still in town. And uh, so Spartanburg has kind of grown on me in the Mm -hmm. last few years. And so I invited Corey Feldman Mm-hmm. Uh, when I saw him and gave him a copy of my book. And I said, please, when you come to Spartanburg, you got to let me know and we can hang out and whatever. Unfortunately, the only, <laughs> I'm embarrassed to say this. <laughs> I forgot my Instagram password. So I haven't been into Instagram. Um, so maybe he has emailed me through mm-hmm. Instagram. I don't know. 
I need to do that. You should probably do that. Cause I am might... terrible with social media. I got to say I'm, I'm just awful at it. Yeah. Um, but anyway, all that to say, I, I'm not a, I'm not being a sexist here. I have a, an ex-boyfriend who's still a very good friend of mine and he likes to pick on me about being a man basher. I am not a man basher. Uh, I'm an asshole basher. <laughs> okay. Not a man basher though. Right, right. I don't think I am. Uh, I have a number of of men, uh, male people, male people. <laughs> male people. <laughs> that I really love and respect. Mm-hmm. Um, and unfortunately, I've come across this a lot that when a woman has so many female idols that we look up to, it's kind of seen as either we're a lesbian or a man basher or whatever. That's not the case. It's it's just because when you grow up and you're young and you don't see a lot of people who look like you, hmm. and this can apply to people of color as well. When you don't see a lot of people who look like you, you kind of get a little depressed. Yeah. And you crave that. Mm-hmm. And so for that strong woman persona uh, to, to watch that as a kid, um, I can't even tell you what that did for me. That really sparked a lot of, uh, of who I am. Mm-hmm. And I ended up, you know, doing things like going in the military and moving overseas and, and skydiving and bodybuilding and, and doing some badass woman stuff. Uh And I owe a lot of that to my early influences of these powerhouse women. Yeah. So there's my, uh, there's my spiel about Wonder Woman. Awesome. Yeah. And also she's freaking beautiful. I mean, yeah. Her, she not, I, I don't want to sexualize her because so many people do, and that's not what Wonder Woman is about. But if we're going to speak about that, I love the fact that she actually has a female figure that is um, normal mm-hmm. and not super skinny. Right. You know what right. I mean? Yeah. God, I just think she's amazing. Yeah, I do too. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, is that what you were looking for? That is <laughs> that is exactly what I was looking for. Yes, that is that's wonderful. And so, and now, like, what? So, so you've talked a little bit about this. So, you are possibly uh, moving towards uh, getting back into bodybuilding. I am doing it. Yeah. Yeah. Whether I do the show or not next year, I don't know, but gotcha. I'm, I'm doing it. Uh, I'm getting back into the mindset of it because uh-huh. I'm about to be 50. Mm-hmm. And I thought to myself, um, one thing that is very important to me is being a good influence on other women, especially younger women. Mm-hmm. And I want them to see someone like me and say, okay, I can do that too. Yeah. All right. So, um, so you are not a fan of social media necessarily, but if people want to get them more Susan, 
<laughs> whether it's like learning about anything that you've done, including maybe your books, where would they look online for that? Susan A. Sistar, S-I-S-T-A-R-E. Sistar. I have a Facebook page. I, I have, I'm embarrassed to admit I'm, I'm not that active on it, but I need to be mm-hmm. um, just because, yeah, that's the way things are going. I'm just not very, uh, I'm kind of an introvert. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, so I don't do a lot of social media. I need to. So thank you, Stan, for getting me out there and making me do that. Yes. Um, I My also pleasure. have a uh, Gmail account, SusanAsistar at gmail.com. People can email me, which sometimes they do. Uh-huh. I got an email not too long ago, about two weeks ago from a guy who, a guy, it's funny, I get more emails from guys than women. Yeah, I don't get that, but I do. And he read one of my books and said, this is fantastic. And I want to have a conversation with you sometime. And it made me giddy. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Well, thank you so much for doing this, Susan. It was great to talk to you. It's my pleasure, Stan. You know, I always love supporting your endeavors and doing things with you. Well, thank you. All right. Social media wise. Yes. And we'll probably have a beer soon. Yes. Guess where I'm going now. Uh, I don't know where (laughs) the Cyclops cider and brewery. Nope. I am going to (laughs) Duncan park in Spartanburg, South Carolina to go to the American Legion baseball game. Nice. Very with my cool. friend Bob, you've probably seen him because you're on Facebook with me. Yeah, uh, who is about to turn 98, <gasps> and awesome. he's there waiting for me now. So I'm gonna go hang out with him at the at the baseball game. Awesome. Well, good luck. <laughs> have fun. Thank you very much. Let me know when you want to have a beer. All right. Absolutely. Love you. All right. Love you too. Bye bye. <laughs> Thanks, Dan. Bye. My interview with Susan was recorded back in July, and you heard that she was going to a baseball game with her friend Bob. Susan was active with the veterans community and had become great friends with Bob, who unfortunately passed away a few weeks after we recorded. Now I asked Susan if she wanted me to edit that last part out where she talked about going to the game with him, but she thought it was important to remember Bob. He was 97 and a World War II vet who served in the Navy at Pearl Harbor. Susan had posted quite a few pictures of her and Bob at baseball, at the VFW Luau. I know he appreciated her friendship, and so do I. Susan is quite the Wonder Woman, teacher, actor, bodybuilder, veteran, and author. I'll put her author page in the show notes. I definitely recommend her books. And listen, if you want to have as much fun as I hope she had as a guest on this show, if you are a Wonder Woman cosplayer, or like Susan, if you're simply a Wonder Woman in your own way, I would love to talk to you. Send me an email. You can find my email link as well as my social media links, including my new TikTok. Thanks to my friend Wanda. All that stuff is on WonderWomanWednesdays.com. I've got links to all my favorite podcasts like Bookum Dano, Eventually Super Train, Made for TV Mayhem, and also The Real Guys Facebook page, where I do a weekly live Facebook video with my buddy Jack. We talk movies, we drink beer, and sometimes interesting folks stop by, like Susan. 
I absolutely appreciate you listening, and I hope you have a wonderful time this holiday season or whenever you might be listening to this podcast. Life can be beautiful, and we are in this together, you guys. So treat each other and yourselves with a little extra care. Like the Lama says, be kind whenever possible. It is always possible.